When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Buffs Inside Zone. I'm voice of the Buffs, Mark Johnson. we got a treat today catching up with former Buffalo, two-time Super Bowl champion, first-round NFL draft pick with the New England Patriots. Now he's with the New York Giants, a Buenavista native from right here in the state of Colorado. Nate Solder joining us here for a few minutes on the Inside Zone. Nate, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you being with us here. So uh, how's the family getting along in this uh, crazy time that we're all dealing with? Uh, you know, we're not going to complain. A lot of people have it a lot worse than we do. we got some space here. We can run around in the yard. and We're a little cooped up in the house. We're ready to get out and everything, but uh, but we're doing wonderful. You know, we're happy where we're at, and, and we're going to ride it out as long as we need to. Hey, real quick, before I want to jump into your NFL stuff initially before we start talking about the Buffaloes, but give me a quick comment about your recruitment to see you. Gary Barnett recruits you. Dan Hawkins ends up being your head coach. What do you just remember about being in Buena Vista not sure if you're going to play college football or college basketball, coaching change, and yet you end up being a Buffalo. What do you recall about that? Yeah, um, you know, I, I came from Buena Vista, and a lot of, uh, you know, I had a few friends that played at the Colorado State University, so I was a little bit more of a Colorado State fan, and I didn't think I was going to go to the University of Colorado. Um, but then I had an opportunity to meet Gary Barnett, and I got to meet his staff, and, and I was actually kind of swayed in, and then I met Dusty Sprague, and there was a couple other guys that I'd met, and I was just so excited about that great opportunity to play at a university like the University of Colorado and, and the high level of competition. Um, and then when they hired uh, Dan Hawkins, he, he came and sat down in our living room. We got to know him. There was so many high praise. He was in Sports Illustrated and all these sort of things. Um, so, I was, you know, that didn't scare me away. I was excited for that opportunity. Because you're a buff and we love you, we're going to forgive the fact that you grew up uh, cheering for the Rams, okay? <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I came away from the dark side. Don't worry. <laughs> now, when I, if I would have asked you coming out of Buena Vista High School, if you were ever going to play this year, I guess it will be your 10th year in the NFL, what would you have said to me? <laughs> I, I don't think I, at that point I would have even thought I was going to play football when I was you know, in high school. I, oh. I thought I was going to play basketball. I thought I was going to be an art major. I thought I was going to be living in Alamosa, Colorado in the mountains or something, making jewelry. I don't, I don't know. Um, to, to see where my life has ended up and everything is, is really um, greater than I could have ever imagined um, and different than I would have ever imagined for sure. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, a six foot eight, three hundred and twenty five pound art major? Is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah, I was 
one of my passions in high school. It, it died out a little bit in college, but um, yeah, I did a lot of art. I was I was in painting and I was in sculpture, and and uh, I looked into going to the uh, Alamosa Mesa State up there. Okay. The Mesa State, yeah. You know, there, there must be something about it. Maybe you're too young to remember this. Uh, one of the uh, greatest players in the NFL history is Rosie Greer, and he was always famous for doing, was it needlepoint or knitting or something like this? Is there a softer side to big men in the NFL or what? <laughs> there might be. I know a psychologist once told me there was some, some connection between spatial orientation and good athletes and, and, art, art, uh, and artists and everything. So uh, maybe there is something to that. I don't know. <laughs> You talk about not even thinking, uh, daring to think about an NFL career, but think about how the, the tumblers fell for you to end up with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the run that that franchise has had to start your career. I mean, you got to pinch yourself, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I remember in middle school watching those guys win Super Bowls, um, and then uh, I, I remember the first team meeting we're in with the Patriots, and I'm sitting there, I can't even believe it. I'm like, I, I'm with them. And I think it was the fourth preseason game. I remember vividly. We're sitting in there getting ready for the uh, New York Giants. And I was like, I can't believe it. I'm playing for Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and I'm playing against the New York Giants. Like, this is <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and I still pinch myself because people talk about um, the greatest, uh, you know, team of all time, and dynasty and all that stuff. And I was like, it was just kind of a bunch of guys for, for me, you know. So, right. Um, it'll be interesting the way history writes that story. Well, and to your point, at this point, we do look at that stretch that you were with that franchise as, as maybe the greatest stretch, maybe not just in NFL history, but in sports history. What do you think, uh, and now that you look back on it, what, what did you learn about excellence? What did you learn about teamwork? What did you learn about achievement uh, through that, that period? Yeah, I really gained an appreciation for the game, uh, the game of football because it doesn't matter how good any one individual is. It really matters how good your team is. So, and even even at the expense of some of your best players, you always have to push forward for the team. Um, and that was always impressed on, upon me through the Patriots, and that was something that I cherished the most, was just how close our teams got and how much we relied on each other and depended on each other. And really, we really um, held up that um, commitment to each other. So guys weren't just saying it, but they were actually doing it, the way they were taking care of their bodies, the way they were studying, the way they were performing on game day. And that was really special. You can't really uh, create that any other way than going through the battles together. I'd have to think, based on what you're saying, you know, that, that old adage about success breeds success, that turns out to be a truism, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It certainly does. And uh, it, it becomes a lot easier for uh, players to listen to coaches when they've had all that success. So mm. um, it's never easy to play football. It, it takes a lot of hard work and commitment and it beats up your body. But uh, when you can see some results from it, then it, it gives you that much more um, energy to continue to do what you're doing. Does When you're having that kind of success, and we know what kind of uh, a coach Bill Belichick is, but, but does a locker room begin to police itself when the expectations are set so high? Yeah, they don't. I, you know, in the time that I was there, the, the level of character that was there was really impressive. I was really grateful to be around some, some um, just phenomenal people. Um, I oftentimes thought that we had to overcome our coaching hmm. because he was such a jerk to us and so hard on us that we rallied together uh, despite him. <laughs> right. And and we it, and it made us better. You know, I think he, that was probably all part of his plan to put the right people together and, and give them as much crap as they could handle and then see how they respond. But uh, but I, I just know that uh, we were so we were tight as brothers 
uh, through all that stuff. So that's, it's, it's interesting to hear. that, it, And I think that is approached by some coaches you hear that they, they become so uh, demanding, and I'm not sure if that's the right word, on a team that the team almost bands together to kind of battle the coach, if you will. Does that make sense? That's exactly right. Yep, yep. And, and uh, you know, there were times where I wanted to kill my coaches, but even looking back now, I, I really respect them, and I'm thankful for, you know, them pushing me to a different level than I would have been able to get to myself. Sure. How about playing with a guy like Tom Brady? Because he, he's going to go down, I mean, if he's not already, as, as the greatest player in NFL history. What do you learn from kind of watching a guy like that and, and having to, you know, deal with the same circumstances in the same locker room as he has? Yeah, it's pretty amazing to, to, you know, I've already had this experience a little bit, but in 10 years of playing, you play with so many different people and then so many different teams. It takes a little bit of an emotional toll on you because you get close with guys and then they, you know, they get rid of them or guys retire or whatever it is. So for to, to do it at a high level though, as long as he's played, it's really uh, shown a real commitment to winning. Um, and and the, the other thing about Tom is he lives and breathes it. So. Mm. Everything he does, everything he puts in his body, every action he takes, every decision he makes is about performance and, and getting himself better. So um, he takes it to a whole new level, and it, it was really impressive to see how he did that. Can, can you explain to us why he doesn't seem to age at all? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's his beauty care products. <laughs> but that does add... What, hydration? He says he drinks all that water. Maybe it's just all the water he drinks. It, it might be. I, I don't know. You know... <laughs> I would have to think, though, Nate, and you experienced something kind of unique there. When you, when you think of sports, you, you think of those individuals who then, as a team, creates kind of a unique, almost a circus-like atmosphere because of their popularity. I think of a Magic Johnson, the L.A. Lakers, or Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and Tom Brady and the Patriots. Does that add a little bit unique dynamic when you've got one of those guys that's kind of transcended? The Broncos certainly had that with John Elway or Peyton Manning in recent years. Does, does that add kind of an interesting element around a franchise? Yeah, it, it does, um, but I don't think that Tom was ever looking for, for favors or entitlements or anything like that. I think that that's what really um, was um, a solidifying force for our team was Tom was the first one to do the extra hard work. He was the first one to do the things that no one wanted to do, um, and I think that sort of leadership from those type of guys mm. really helped uh, our team rally together. You're a two-time Super Bowl champion in pro sports to get the ring is the ultimate prize. Can you express to, to Buff Nation what it's like to play in that moment, win that kind of game, and, and what that kind of celebration is like? Yeah. Well, um, I remember when I was drafted um, to the Patriots, I thought maybe there's a chance that I'll get to get to that game at some point in my career. Um, little did I know I was going to get to go to that game four times and, and win it twice. Um, it was very surreal the first time. I'm, I'm not sure that I took a breath the whole first uh first uh, Super Bowl waiting. And uh, the second time, I I kind of, my nerves were relaxed, and and I I played much better. Um, And to win the game was just really special. Uh, At the the point, uh, we were were pregnant with our first kid, and and, uh, it was kind of a culminating moment of my career, and and we had a special team that had overcome a lot, as every team does every year. And... uh, and so really it was about the guys. It was a special moment to be with the guys that I love so much, we worked so hard with, and we kind of achieved what we set out to do. It was really, really pretty neat. Now, now tough uh, question. Time. So what's it like to walk away from that or off the field when you don't win that ball game? Oh, yeah. I, I took that loss with me 
Um, and, and every loss, because we were in the AFC Championship several times, and it was it was it was just as hard. You take that loss with you like all off season. Hmm. You know, you carry that weight of of uh, disappointment and, and uh, anxiety that hey, can we get back there again? And and uh, and uh, <clears throat> it probably is a full off season, and then maybe into the next season where you're like, okay, you finally shake that off a little bit. Wow. Yeah, that's devastating. It was tough. How much longer can Nate Solder play in the NFL? I mean, you, you played nine years, man. That's a long time to play at that level. Yeah, I know. I would have never fathomed it. You know, I'm, I'm dependent on what God has for me at this point. Um, if he continues to allow my body to be functional and, and play at a high level um, and my spirit to have the energy and the focus that I need to play, I'll continue to play. But but as, as, as it takes a toll on my body and, and my family time and everything, you know, I'll have to weigh that out. But uh, Sure. But, you know, I'm going to take it one year at a time, and, and uh, we'll see what happens with this season based on the COVID stuff. But, uh, you know, I get wrapped up in just building a team. You know, we got a new coach now, and, and I'm familiar with him, and we're talking about, hey, how can we unify guys and stuff, and I get caught up in that stuff. And then kind of soon enough you get wrapped up in it, and then you're into another season, and you, you, you love the guys, and you just fight for them and do the best you can. So, you know, that's happened 10 years in a row. So <laughs> who knows how much longer it'll go. What, what, what have you picked up on in terms of longevity? Was there somebody in your career early on that gave you advice in regards to how to be a professional, how, how to play at that level, how to have some longevity? Anybody was a big influence in your early career? Um, yeah, there was a guy in Kevin Falk who was uh, a guy that played a long time, and, and the way that he took care of his body, he was there early, um, always doing things that he needed to do, getting in the hot tub, getting in the steam room, getting in the weight room, taking care of his body that way. And I think it's the consistency at which you do it. You know, I think yeah. some guys kind of do the roller coaster. Hey, I'm going to do real good for a while, then I'm going to go real bad for a while. And I even saw a lot of guys drinking on the airplane and stuff, and I always kind of try to stay away from that because I knew that would just be long-term detriment for my, my performance and my health and the way that I enjoyed it and stuff. So I've always tried to make those little decisions, the, the commitments, the long-term discipline, the way that I eat, the way that I sleep, the way that I stay in shape during the off-season. You know, I think those things have all contributed, but i got to thank God. I mean, I haven't had any devastating injuries, and, and there's so many guys that have everything lined up for them, but then something really bad happens. So I haven't had that, and, and that's only a testament to the way God's protected me and has me here for some reason. I was going to say, you, you, the faith, faith is, in, and I've gotten to know you over the years, and you know where I am on that, but faith is a huge part uh, of your life and your career and your family, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really grown and expanded, and, and uh, you know, I'm a new Christian. I've been doing it for six years now. It's not something I was doing when I was in college. It's not something I did my whole NFL career, but, you know, it's become the biggest part of why I do what I do. And so thankful for the faith and how it, how he's carried me through, and, you know, and that's why I do what I do now. And um, I'm just trying to be obedient with what he gives me. And you've always taken the responsibility of, of being a pro athlete which, which you end up being, despite what Charles Barkley said years ago, you end up being a role model. You've taken that very, very, uh, I guess, seriously, haven't you, over the course of time in terms of what that means and what kind of impact you can have? Yeah, I've always noticed that, um, you know, younger people and, and people of influence always seem to look at athletes for their cues and stuff. So I've always tried to do my best. And, and I think part of that is growing up in a small town because, uh, you know, anything you do in a small town, people are going to find out about it. So. <laughs> I kind of learned that early on that, you know, your, your actions kind of people will find out no matter what you do. So. Sure. And, and, and not only being a role model, but I think just my opportunity to do good. You know, I, I have a heart for other people, 
and uh, I try to do the best I can with what I've been given and help others when they're suffering and in a hard time when I can help, you know. You know, there's a great line of the country song that says, uh, everybody dies famous in a small town. Yeah. <laughs> there's a I lot like of truth it. in that, don't you think? That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell us how the, how the family's doing. Hey, give us an update on, on your son. Yeah, he's doing excellent. Uh, he's doing treatments every three weeks. Um, he had a big surgery in November. They had to remove a part of his kidney. But that went well. Um, they had to they had to start back with his chemotherapy. He'd been off for a year. Now we're back at it, and he's handling it really well. He he's he's behind me on the bed, jumping around, distracting me. But he, <laughs> he, he doesn't seem phased by it very much at all. Well, that's from being quarantined. Those those little ones, man. They they got all kinds of energy. They got to burn it off. <laughs> oh, I know. They're nonstop. It's hard to hard to get them down. <laughs> and, by the way, and I know I'm not breaking news here, but a big congratulations is in order because the Solder family is expanding the roster here soon, we understand. That's right, yeah. we got our number three coming here. Um, May 2nd is the due date, but it could be any day, so we're looking forward to that. You, you know, th- that gets to be dangerous territory, Nate, because uh, now you and your wife are going to be outnumbered by the kids. <laughs> we're going in full zone. Uh, you know, that's- <laughs> Good basketball reference there. Hey, uh, I, I know you, you certainly pay attention to what's going on with the Buffaloes and, you know, with the whole coaching change and all those things. What's your view of of, uh, of Carl Durrell? I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him, but a uh, view of the Buffs and, and where this program is at, and, and I know you've got great belief in what CU can become. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm always going to be a fan. I support them as much as I can. Um, you know, with whoever they get, I think that it's going to be really important that they have a guy that's a leader and, and he can, can join that group together. You know, the, those memories in college are so so precious, you know, being a part of a team that's bigger than yourself, that's more important than any individual. Um, you know, that's what it's all about, and being a part of a great football team like that really makes an impression on guys. And, and I think that's what they have. I think that they're going to bring the right guys in, you know, in terms of recruits and, and assistant coaches, and you're just going to create the right environment. And I think that's going to be wonderful for what they have there. You know, one thing I always like to ask whenever we get any alums on, uh, I don't care if it's you or Alfred Williams or you, you name it, I always like to say, if there's a recruit listening out there, what kind of sales pitch would you give them about becoming a Buffalo and, and going to Boulder and becoming a student at the University of Colorado? Yeah, you know what? There's no reason in the world not to go to the University of Colorado. Um, I've played with guys from all over the country, every different school, um, SEC, all that stuff. I, I still think I still rep Colorado. I think it's the best school, the best group of people you could be around. So there's no reason in the world not to go to that university. Nate, before I let you go, I want to ask you about David Bakhtiari. He's had such a phenomenal career with the Green Bay Packers. But uh, the two of you have become really two of the most prominent tackles in the National Football League. And we've talked about it before. I remember you saying that Bakhtiari, as a young player, being, what, two or three years behind you, would follow you around like a puppy trying to figure out how to play at the college level. (laughs) You know, we we became good friends because he was the one who'd call me and be like, Nate, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to sit down with you, and we're going to watch film. We're going to talk about what you see, what I see. We're going to work through it. So he's always taking the initiative. He's always worked really hard. He's always overcome adversity, and I just really appreciate the heck out of the guy. And we we stayed friends. We talked to each other uh, probably monthly, you know. Um, So it's really cool to see how well he's done. Is there a bit of a brotherhood in the NFL when you run into CU alums around the league? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with a guy like that that, you know, we played for
Nate, it's great to catch up with you. Keep that family safe. Best of luck with the, with the new baby here coming up very soon. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, sounds good, Mark. Thank you so much. Great to catch up with the great Nate Solder, now playing with the New York Giants, his 10th NFL season on tap. And good luck to he and his wife with uh, the new baby on the way as well. One of the truly good guys you're ever going to meet in uh, both college and professional football, and uh, one certainly that Bus fans can certainly be proud of. That'll wrap up this week's Inside Zone. I'm voice of the Bus, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.